Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. How many people excited to be at church today? Let me rephrase it. How many people are excited to be in the house of God today? Hey Amen. I know I am. I think God's going to do something special today. And it begins by looking at him and blocking out every distraction. Before you take a seat, find three people. Wave at them. Let them know that you're happy to see them in church today. I know we did it already, but it's important we create that community. Even though we can't be close, we can still be close. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I'm so happy that you're here at church today. I think God's going to do something special. My name is JJ, and alongside my wife, Liz... We have the privilege of serving Journey Church as its pastors, and it is the, the privilege of our life. And if you didn't know that, that means that you're a first-time guest, and we're so thankful that you chose to be with us today. We think if you're looking for a home church, you found it. You're going to never see another group of people more loving, more honest, more transparent, more caring, and ready to connect than the people in this room right now. So if you are here for the first time, Journey Church, would you help me put our hands together and welcome them to the house one more time. Yeah, we just thank you for making the day a priority and being with us. Hey, Journey Church, keep it going for Journey Church Online. Yeah, we love you, Church Online. We know that you can't be with us for health reasons, and we respect that. We know that many of you can't be with us for geographical reasons. Our church is now in multiple states and even different countries. And so thank you for joining us online, whether this is YouTube, a podcast, we're just so grateful that you get to be with us together. Well, today we have a special announcement to make. And I, you didn't think I was going to get to it right away. And I am going to make that announcement at the end of the sermon. Amen. And so I want to let you know where our church is headed really quickly. Tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow, small groups begin. Yeah, we're going to start in. Hey, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that we need community in our lives more than ever. And so we have some virtual groups for those who don't feel comfortable meeting in person. And then we also have some in-person groups that will be meeting if you feel comfortable for that type of an environment. The important thing is not how you gather, but that you gather. That is really the important thing because we need people in our lives. We need people who, I was going to preach on this, but I just, we need people who know you and know you. We need people who K-N-O-W you, and you need people in your life who N-O you. People who know everything about you. At least one or two people in life who you got no secrets with, and they're people who love you enough to tell you you're wrong. How many people know that's a good friend? I'm tired of those friends that are always encouraging us just to encourage us, and, and you'd be like, well, you know, man, I got drunk last night, man, and then, you know, I think I killed somebody. Bro, it's all good. It's all good, bro. God forgives that, bro. Yeah, but you should probably turn yourself into the police. Like, you need that person to come alongside you, and I think you'll find those types of people <laughs> at Journey Church. Also, uh, starting next week, we've got Fairy Tales, a series on love, sex, and marriage coming February 7th. Yeah, this is a great series, not just for married people, but for single people, dating, engaged. Honestly, whatever your relationship status is on Facebook, this is for you, okay? Complicated, figuring it out, not sure, uh, lonely forever, whatever you come from, I think this series is going to help you. Uh, in your relationships, and I can't wait to talk about it. Uh, we're going to be tackling some of the myths of, uh, of relationships, and, and there are a lot of myths. Unfortunately, our relationship expectations have been derived from uh, Disney uh, cartoons and from romantic comedies that it just doesn't happen like that. Like, I hate to break your heart, but like The Notebook, it's not real, guys. It's not real. And if you, and if you keep waiting for your Noah, you know what I'm saying? You're going to miss your Nick. Oh, there's a Nick. There's a Nick. God's got a Nick for someone in church today. Raise your hand if your name is Nick. He's online. Amen. Nick is online today. Nick. God's got a Nick for, for somebody. Don't be looking for the Noah when God's got a, a Nick. And, uh, and so we're going to blow up all those fairy tales, and it's going to be a super encouraging message. I'll just later. It really will be. It really will be. Um, also, uh, I'm excited because today we finished part five. I really don't do five-part series that often, but we are completing, concluding part five of a sermon series we called The Year That I Grew, The Year That I Grew. We just decided that we were going to get ahead of 2021 before 2021 can become 2021. Nobody knew that 2020 was going to become 2020 while we were in 2020. 
And we don't know what 2021 will become, but we decided we we're going to get ahead of it. And before CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, Orlando, Sentinel, uh, Tampa Tribune, before anybody can label what this year is, we're going to slap a label on it before we can even get started and say, no matter what this year brings our way, this will be the year that I grow. This will be the year that I grow through whatever trial, through whatever tragedy, through whatever pain. Through whatever social unrest, through whatever political dysfunction, we are going to decide that growth is our priority. And today we are going to actually leave the book of Hebrews. If you've been with us all five weeks, you know that we have begun every sermon with the book of Hebrews. And today we are going to be taking a trip into the uh, book of Matthew. And we're going to hear what Jesus has to say about growth. Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 9. Reads like this. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It'll be on the screen. If you do have a Bible, and our versions look different, it's because we're reading from the message version. It goes like this. What do you make of this? A farmer planted seed, and as he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road, and birds ate it. Some fell in the gravel, and it sprouted quickly, but it didn't put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. And some seed fell in the weeds, and as it came up, it was strangled by the weeds. Some fell on good earth. Somebody say good and produced a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. I like verse 9. Jesus asked them, are you listening to this? Are you really listening? Raise your hand if you're a gardener in church today. Where are the green people with green thumbs? Okay, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six people out of 600 people. Okay, um, there's, a reason why I'm, there's a reason why I think that now there's only six. Because how many people have tried gardening? Yes. <laughs> yeah. The reason why there's six out of 600 is because uh, gardening is not easy. It is super difficult. For many years, the Vasquez home, that's my last name, in case you're wondering, the Vasquez home was a place that plants went to die for many years. It was, it was, like, it was like just a haunted house for, for horticulture. It was not good. And we just could not grow a thing. And I don't even mean grow like fruit. Because I bet that's hard if you try to grow like apricot or apples or oranges. Y'all, we tried three and a half years to grow grass. <laughs> Just regular old green grass. Three and a half years, and we could not do it in the front of our yard. We, we brought in a professional. We said, help us, help us grow grass in the front of our yard. And they said, well, first thing you got to do is cut down this big old tree because you got a big old tree and it's casting shade over the plant. And if you don't get out of the shade, then you, you won't grow unless you're exposed to the sun. That's a whole other sermon, but I'm not going to preach that. So, you, so I got to cut down that thing that was casting shade on my, anyway, uh, on my life. And so, so we took out the tree. It was a big tree. cost a lot of money. We got rid of the tree. Do you think that that grass grew in my yard after that? No. I asked the gardener again. I said, what do we have to do now? I said, your, your, your ground needs water. I said, I thought that was the cloud's job <laughs> to do water. They said, no, you got to install sprinklers. That was a whole bill. So we install sprinklers. Do you think that caused the grass to grow in our yard? No. no. So what do we got to do now? He said, you, you need to buy sod. That was my first exposure with sod. I said, you mean I could have just bought the grass to begin with? He said, yeah, you got to buy the grass. You got to put it in. So we did that. That cost the whole thing. Do you think that caused the grass to grow? No. No, because once the grass started growing, all of a sudden we got chinch bugs. I didn't even know chinch bugs were a thing. They're these little tiny bugs. You would step on the grass and it was like the glory, like lifted up all the grass, little tiny bugs flying all over the place. And then we had to get rid of the chinch bugs. And then once the chinch bugs got rid of, then we started getting fungus on the grass. And I'm just like, I didn't know. It was so hard to grow grass. And I guess what set me up for that expectation was that when I would get in my car and leave my neighborhood and turn right, every morning I would see the median in the middle of the road. And in that median was grass. Lush, green, healthy, vibrant grass and nobody took care of that grass 
Nobody fed that grass. Nobody nurtured that grass. Nobody planted sprinklers in that grass. Nobody did antifungal, anti-chinch bug on the grass. It just grew. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's growing so healthy. And, and, and the only thing that's growing it is the environment. It was growing because it was in the right place. It didn't need a preaching. It didn't need encouragement. It just in the right place. Place. The title of today's sermon is, Oh, the Places You'll Grow. Oh, the Places You'll Grow. I don't mind admitting that in my sermons, I often plagiarize. You just need to know, like, your pastor is not that great of a preacher. He just listens to a lot of great preachers. And in the back of my mind, I just hope that you never hear those other guys. That's just my hope. And, and I got to admit, I'm, I'm plagiarizing today. Oh, the Places You'll Grow is uh, inspired off of one of Dr. Seuss's most famous children books called, Oh, the Places You'll Go. And he wrote it. Why are you laughing? Oh, I mean, he, wrote it, he wrote it a year, a published it a year before he passed away. And in this book, he's talking to kids about what the ups and downs of life are going to be like. And in it, he references these symbolic places in life that people will often find themselves, maybe some of you will recognize these places. One of the places was the, the waiting place. Say amen if you've ever been there. The other place was the lonely place. Say amen if you've ever been there. The other place was the make up your mind place. Say amen if you've ever been there. Somebody's like on that one, I don't really know. Maybe, I'm not sure. I can't make up my mind. Um, similarly, the places that I'm talking about and the places that Jesus is talking about in Matthew, I don't think that they're physical Places. I think what Jesus is referencing and what I'm preaching about today are not the places uh, physical, but the spiritual. Places not on, in the world, but places in our heart and places in our, our, our mind. Which, going back to Hebrews for a second, really ministered to me. Because we've been in this book of Hebrews, and in the book of Hebrews, there's a lot of references to Hebrew traditions. There's a lot of reference to sacrifice. But interestingly enough, there's no reference to the temple where the sacrifice takes place. There's a lot of reference to the instruments inside the temple where the sacrifices take place. But again, the author of Hebrews never actually references the temple where it takes place. It's almost like the author of Hebrews goes out of his way not to mention the Old Testament church, which was the Solomon's temple. And I think the reason why he did that is because he was trying to communicate to us that God's presence has transitioned from a beautiful temple to a beautiful you. God used to live in a building built by hands. Now he lives in a building built by God. You are the place where God's presence abides. The temple is no longer a place in this world. Now the temple is a place in your heart, which is really good news for y'all because that means you can be at one place in your life but another place in your heart. That's really good news and, and maybe bad news too. It just really depends. That means you can be at a place where you have a lot of friends in this world but you're lonely in your heart. It could be a place where you got a lot of money in the bank account, but you're broke in your heart. And vice versa. It could be a single person who people think are lonely, but she got a relationship with Jesus. And so even in her singleness, she's more accepted and more loved. Don't judge me by the place in my life. The place in my heart is secure. It can be someone who is poor in this life on that EBT card life. I know what that's like. I was there. But just because I had an EBT card in my wallet didn't mean I had peace and, and faithfulness and love and confidence in my heart. You can be in two different places. Like I said, this is really good news or bad news depending on where you are in life today because some people think that they're in an environment, that they're in a place, a place where they cannot grow. They think that they're at a job with a boss who is terrible. And he's so bad, you pray for him. But like, you don't pray that he gets saved. You pray like fire and brimstone. Like, God, I pray, Lord. Yeah, he sent him to heaven. But before he does that, eat his toes up with leprosy, Jesus. Just do something. Because he's mean. And you know, you prayed that prayer. Some of y'all are like, I'd love to grow, Pastor JJ, but you don't know my family. My family is crazy. My family's so dysfunctional, I'm pretty sure two or three Lifetime movies were based on their lives. I'm pretty sure. I was watching it and I was like, that's Theo, that's my uncle, I've seen him. See, I'm mean, like, I, I would love to grow, but you don't know my marriage. You don't know the daily discouragement 
and disrespect that I face every day when I come home, my significant other doesn't even come to church, and how can I grow in that environment? And as a result, your head is full of fantasies of Nashville and Hollywood and NYC and that dude at the gym who's obviously wearing a shirt three sizes too small. So that you can be, and you're, and you're fantasizing about, about that guy, and then you go to work, and you're fantasizing about running off with the receptionist, and, and here's why you're fantasizing about those things, because you think if I can change my place, the environment that my body is in, I can change my life. But what you don't know is that you can change your space and still end up in the same place. You can change your space and still end up in the same place because your space is where you are physically in life, but your, but your place is where your mind and your heart is at. And even if you're in an unhealthy place, I came to tell you, you can still control your space, your place. You can still control your, your space, your space, your space. And so I wanna to talk to you about place. Sorry, place. <laughs> I wanna to talk to you about four places where God will grow you, four places where God will grow you. The first place that God will grow you, if you were reading, is, yeah, right here. Come on, yeah. In the first example, Jesus talks about a a seed that was eaten up, and the reason why it was eaten up, see, they probably can't see it, but I promise you, this is a seed. There we go. That's a seed. And the reason why the seed was eaten up is because the Bible says the seed was exposed. The seed landed on the surface of the soil, but it never made it in the soil. And because the seed was on the surface of the soil, because it was exposed, the enemy came like a bird and ate up the seed that was exposed, which is ironic for me because when most people think of growth, they think of exposure. I got more followers now. I'm growing. I got more subscribers now. I'm growing. I got more influence now. I'm growing. I got more money now. I'm growing. I got a better reputation now. I'm growing. But God knows that the things that are exposed are vulnerable to the enemy. And so the irony is that when we want to grow, we're chasing exposure. But when God wants to grow us, the first thing he does with us is he hides us. I want to talk to you about the secret place. The secret place. This is the first place God will grow you. Psalms 27.5, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret, say it with me, place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. When God wants to grow someone, when God wants to protect someone, he hides them until they're ready. Until they're ready. He hid Jesus in a manger because Herod was out to get him. He had to protect him. And then he hid Jesus for 30 years as a carpenter until Jesus was ready to come out. He hid Moses in the desert watching sheep for 40 years before he came out as the deliverer of Egypt. He hid this young boy named Joash, who was the future king of Israel, for seven years before he was old enough to fight his battles. You know, photographs used to be hidden before they were shown. You don't know that now because we take pictures with our phones and boom, we got it instantaneously. But I remember a day. Well, you didn't have to charge your phone. You had to crank your phone, your, 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 your camera. You know what I'm talking about? Crack, 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 crack. And then it would stop, and then, psh, and then you would take that disposable camera, and you would bring it to a developing place, and they would put it in the dark room, and you would have to come back later until the time when it was ready. It's not a coincidence that babies are hidden in the womb for 10 months in the dark so that the exposed, because if they're exposed too early, when premature babies are born, they have to go to a special incubator because they became exposed too early. It wasn't the right time for God to do what he wanted to do in their life. I want to show you a picture of a place. It's called Death Valley in Nevada. My wife and I had the opportunity to visit this place two years ago for our wedding anniversary, and it looked just like that. Death, Death Valley is one of the lowest, driest, hottest places on earth. In North America, one of the hottest and one of the hottest in all the planet. It has the second highest temperature ever recorded in North America, 135 degrees one day it hit. Nothing can grow in Death Valley. 
But in 2005, something happened. This should not have happened. Because of climate change, because of clouds, and because of winds and, and wind and the weather, and just it all lined up. And in 2005, torrential downpour fell on Death Valley for the first time in 100, 100 years. It poured out. The place that usually gets two and a half inches of rain got six and a half inches of rain in a couple of weeks. It used to get two and a half in a year. And in a couple weeks after that rain, here's what Death Valley looked like. Hey, same space, different place. Same space, different place. What happened to Death Valley? Why did it bloom that way? It's called a super bloom because scientists didn't know it at the time, but under the ground, lying dormant for years, were seeds. And the seed was healthy, and the soil was good. It was just waiting for the rain. Sometimes in life, listen, you're not doing the wrong thing. It's just the wrong time. Put it on the screen. Sometimes you're not doing the wrong thing. Sometimes it's just the wrong time. God told me to tell somebody, you think you're invisible. Because nobody's listening to you. Nobody sees you. Nobody sees all the hard work that you're pouring into, into your business. Nobody sees all the hard work you're pouring into your career. Nobody sees what you're doing at school. Nobody sees what you're doing in your relationships. And God told me to tell you, you are not invisible. You're hidden. You're hidden. And at the right time, you are going to break out. If you've been watching the news, we, we don't know when, but in a couple of weeks, there's going to be a, a, a million cicadas, these bugs that are really loud. They stay in the ground for 16 years. It's happening in the next couple of months, 16 years. And then on the 16th year, 13th or 16th year, they come out. Right now, they can come out, but they're waiting for the soil to turn exactly 65 degrees Fahrenheit. When the soil hits exactly 65 degrees Fahrenheit, they're going to break out. When the area is prepared and the space is ready, the place Comes. But when they break out, they went into the soil as larvae. But when they break out 16 years later, they come out with wings. God told me to tell you, you went in as larvae. You went in as a seed. But when the time is right and the soil is ready and the rain falls, you're going to come out with wings and you're going to fly to new heights. You're going to go to new places and spaces. That's the first place. Let me tell you about the, the second place. Can I get the pop? Jorge, I got to preach this real quick because time's coming in. Jorge, this is the wrong pot. No, this is the wrong pot. You're embarrassing me. They're watching. This is online. No, this is, but this looks just like that one. It doesn't. There's something different now. You see it? My bad, Jorge. You're right. You could keep your job. <laughs> He's right. This is, this is the second place. I just, I didn't, I missed it because on the surface, it looks just like the first place. But yeah, when you move it out a little bit, I couldn't see it on the surface, but there's, some, there's it was, it was the roots because everybody knows before you can grow up, you have to grow down. You see, I, some of y'all in a season, in a place that looks like the last place you were in life. But the only difference is that in this place, God is growing something inside of you, but it's not the thing that everyone sees. The thing that he's growing is on the inside of you. This is called the planted place. The planted place. The planted place. Put it on the screen. The planted place. The planted place. And I'm going to tell you a story to talk about the planted place really quickly. In the late 80s and early 90s, scientists did this experiment called the biosphere. I don't know if you ever remember seeing that on the news if you were alive back then. Paulie Shore did a movie on it called Biodome. It was kind of hilarious, depending on how you feel about Paulie Shore. And in this biodome, they said, what happens if we can eliminate all of the dangerous forces of nature and we just let nature do its course? I bet you that everything would grow and be awesome. And everything was growing and everything was awesome until one day, giant trees inside the biodome started falling down. Nobody knew why. Beautiful, tall trees out of nowhere. 
scientists started to do research trying to figure out what was happening. They had eliminated all human influence. They had eliminated all outside forces. It turns out the reason why they were collapsing is because the biodome was protecting the trees from humans, but it was also protecting them from the wind. And when a tree is faced with resistance, its response to the resistance is to grow roots. And so when they took out the resistance, they took out its roots. See, in this place, God protects you. But in this place, God permits attacks on your life. I mean, I mean, God grows you. I mean, God permits attacks on your life. I'm sorry, I mean, God grows you. I'm sorry, I mean, God permits attacks on your life. Oh, yeah. Same thing. Same thing. A lot of people want courage. Oh, you're going to come and be courageous, Lord. You're going to be courageous. I want to stand up in the face. Of... That's cool. But do you know the name of the soil where courage grows? The soil is called fear. You need to be in a place of fear to have an opportunity to be courageous. A lot of people want to be in a place that grows love. But do you know the soil that love grows in? Sacrifice. So God's got to put you in a place where you'll sacrifice for an opportunity for love to come forth. A lot of people want to be in a place where faith can grow. Ooh, God, I want my faith to grow. Grow my faith, Lord. I want the faith of Elijah, the faith of Jesus, the, the faith of Peter and Paul. Cool. But you know the name of the soil where faith grows? It's called need. So God will put you in a place where you're in need so that you can have an opportunity to grow faith. And this is where plants and people are different. Because when plants get shaken up, they grow. But when people get shaken up, they go. In fact, this next point, I put it in caps, and I'm so sorry for shouting. But I need this to settle in your soul. Most of the time, it's not the place that's wrong, but it's that we won't stay in one place. So when it gets hard in this part, we jump to the next part. And when it gets hard in this part, we jump to the next part. And God is like, the problem is not the place. The problem is that you won't stay. Can I tell you something about your diet? It's the right diet. The reason why it's not working is because you won't stay with it. Talking to all y'all who are on keto right now. You're on that keto diet right now. It's been three weeks. You're like, it's not working. I still see it. I still see it right there. It's not keto. This is nothing. It's three weeks. Nothing's going to work in three weeks. And so then you jump to the Atkins, and then you jump to the, the low carb, and, and then you jump to the high protein, and then you just start fasting. <laughs> nothing works if you don't stay with it. You got to stay Planted. I'm talking to all the future authors out there who've got two pages of the book down and you threw it in the closet never to see it again. You were called to be an author. Stay with your book. I'm talking to all the future musicians out there. They got, you, all, you got is the, all you got is the melody. You got no words. You're just like, hmm, 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 I got it. I like it. Stick with this. Stay planted. God did call you to do music, but it's resistance that's causing you to get rooted in your calling. I'm talking to anybody who's at a church right now. God is calling you to stay planted in your church. Now, we talked about Rooted last year. Pastor Joey preached the message on it. And he preached it so good that at the end of the service, a young lady met him in the back and said, Pastor Joey, I just want to let you know, I was thinking about switching churches, but after that sermon, I'm staying at my church. She <laughs> says, I want to stay planted. That was a win that we celebrated in staff the next morning because we don't want any plants in this pot that are not supposed to be here. But if God called you here, even if it gets difficult, can I encourage you? Stay planted. Stay planted because the fruit comes when you stay planted. Let me show you the third place real quick. The third place is the place of weeds. That's the right one. You did good. The third place is the place of weeds. We don't have to guess what the weeds are. The Bible tells us. Jesus tells us, Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, the seed cast in the weeds is the person who hears the kingdom news. But weeds of worry and illusions about getting more and wanting everything under the sun strangle what was heard, and nothing comes of it. The weeds, the Bible tells us, is worry and want. Worry 
and want, and it's choking out the word of God. You know, there are some of y'all today who would love to hear me, who would love to receive this message, but you can't even receive what I'm preaching because you're worried about something out there. And God's like, I'm trying to talk to you, but the weeds are choking out the word before it can even get in your heart. It can get in your heart. And the crazy thing about weeds is nobody ever plants weeds in their garden. Nobody ever is like, you know what my garden can use? Some weeds. Some of y'all be like, my garden can use some weed, but that's a different thing. I'm not that kind of church. Nobody ever looks at their garden and be like, my garden can use some weeds. Oh, I asked the gardener, I said, how did these weeds get in my lawn? I didn't plant them. And he said, they're brought in from the neighborhood. They come from the world and they land on your lawn. That's why the third place is a holy place. Now, when I say holy, it really just depends on how you grew up in church because some of y'all, the word holy brings back bad dreams and, and bad memories. And like, if, especially if you grew up super Pentecostal, you're like, holy, oh no, mm-mm. You see like the white robe, you know, the denim skirts, you know what I'm saying? You, you know, you went a lot of way hats in church and, you know, guys on the left, girls on the right. That was like our church was back in the day. And it was like, why? Because we're holy. And, and I, just, I just don't think that's the right definition of holy. Matter of fact, I don't think holiness has anything to do with what's on the outside of us. I think holiness has to do with what's on the inside of us. And I actually have a better definition for holiness that I want to share with a quick story. Um, you know, we worked real hard on our lawn, my wife and I, real hard on it. And then one day, we started seeing pockets of our lawn just dying. We were like, what is going on? And we were looking outside the window one day trying to figure it out. And along comes one of our neighbor's dogs. He does his business on my lawn. Now we're in a pickle. Because at one point, I want to bring all of my neighbors to heaven. (laughs) But on the other hand, I spent a lot of money on this lawn. So my wife and I are just talking about it. We're like, how do we navigate this situation? And so she went, because we want them to go to heaven. And so she, she went on Amazon, and she found this little metal sign. It's got a picture of a dog, and he's doing his business on the picture. And then it's got one of those red circles with a line through it. Yeah, super passive aggressive. <laughs> and we took that little metal sign, and we, bah, right on our, right our yard. Yeah, just so they know. Now listen, I, I know my lawn's never going to be perfect, but it is my lawn, and I got to protect it. So you can do your business, you just can't do it here. <laughs> Holiness isn't about being perfect. Holiness is about drawing a line. I know I will never have a perfect mind because I'm a human and I sin. So I know I will never have a perfect mind, but I'm going to draw a line around my mind. And I'm not going to let things that bring worry in my mind. So I can't help worrying, but I can help how much news I watch. I can't help wanting, but I can help what accounts I follow on social media. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to draw a line around my mind and say, I'm sorry, I don't like the way that thing makes me feel. I don't like the way that makes me want. I don't like the way that makes me worry. And so I'm going to be holy by drawing a line around my life and say, I'm sorry, world, but my life is holy ground. My marriage is holy ground. This relationship is holy ground. This church is holy ground. And you can do it out there, but you can't do it in here. I need to draw a line around it. In dating, draw a line. Draw a line. If you're married, draw a line with the movies you watch. Well, well are you telling me I can't watch rated R movies? I'm a, watch whatever you want to watch. Just, 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 just judge it by this. When you finish watching it, does it make you worry or want? Does it make you want a woman who's not your wife? Then you decide. Then you decide. Then you decide. Draw a line. Holy, this belongs to the Lord. This belongs to God. You can't have it. Again, you can't stop worrying and wanting. It's a part of being human. But you can't stop the things that bring those things into your life. You can draw a line and say, oh, not on my property. This is holy ground. The last place that Jesus talks about is, yeah, he had a cool name for it. He simply called it a good place, a good place. How many people have ever been in a good place in life? When things come together, it's just fire, it's just a good place. I love the good place 
But the only problem I have with the representation of the good place is that in Jesus' story, first came the secret place, then came the planted place, then came the holy place, then came the good place. But everybody sees people's fruits, and they want this without going through that. The good place is not just a story about a place. It's a story about a process. You can get here if you're willing to go through that. The good place. You know what I love about the good place? And you can even be in a good place if you're in a bad space. I remember one of our youth leaders, she got diagnosed with cancer for the second time. First time she beat it, went away, came back. I asked her when she got the diagnosis, she called me up. She let me know she wasn't going to be able to be involved as much because she was going to have to go through the treatments again. And I said, are you okay? She said, I'm in a good place. <sighs> a bad space but I'm in a good place. I said, how can you be in such a good place? He said, well, I remember the first time I got diagnosed and God was faithful. So, uh, Pastor, I'm in a good place because I've been through it. I've been through it. So now I can be in a good place regardless of my space. I will tell you another story about a good place, but instead of telling you a story about a good place, I want to show you a video about a good place. The story begins two years ago. Journey Church somehow ended up on the front page of the Orlando Sentinel, one of Florida's largest newspapers. The story that was written was a good one. It was a story about how a new generation was connecting with God and how our church was playing a role to serve and facilitate their faith. Looking at um, the numbers and how less people are turning to organized religion and even with the Christmas holiday, less people are looking at it as a religious holiday. Mm -hmm. What do you think the future of Christianity will be for your children yeah. based on what we're seeing today? I think it's bright. You know, I see the numbers and I've, I've seen the studies, but I don't see it in our church. If you come to our church on a Sunday, you look and it's a ton of young people. And so I know that it's real. And I know that's an issue, and I know that it's something that we're looking to, to, to minister to, but I really do feel that the future of Christianity is bright. After the article, we received a lot of attention, and as a result, I received an email from someone I did not know, his name was Mike, who wanted to know if we were interested in securing a permanent location to continue to build Journey Church. I said yes. So he emailed me an address, and I typed it into my search bar, and when I clicked enter, out came this massive property, Orlando Live Events. Now I had passed by this building oftentimes driving through the city and noticed it. How could you not? It was one of Orlando's historic buildings. Right off the highway, it's 100,000 square feet, has hundreds and hundreds of parking spots, and it sits on eight acres of land. So two words immediately came into my mind. No way. Our church was still very small at the time, maybe 500 people, so I knew there was just no way we could afford something like that. But he didn't know that, so I went for a tour anyway. And when I got there, I started to look around and had something like a thousand seats in the auditorium, and he's telling me, hey, do you think this is enough space? And I keep thinking, man, that was a really good article in the paper. <laughs> he thinks we're this big church and we're not. So I said, you know what? Uh, we might have to do a, like multiple services, but yeah, yeah, I think, I think this will do. And so then he gave us the price. And I said, I will email you. And so I emailed him a ridiculously low counter offer. It was all we could do at the time. And they didn't even reject it. They just never replied. <laughs> That's how bad it was. Which was fine because we had been meeting portably for three years and we were comfortable until March 2020. In the next 11 months, we would change time and locations four different times. But the church stood strong and kept giving and kept growing. And so in July 2020, I sent Mike another email and asked him, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but a year and a half ago, you showed us the OLE building and we've grown and we're in a much different and better place. So we're just wondering if it's still available. It wasn't on any websites or flyers. It was just a Hail Mary. We were just a homeless church looking for a place to worship and serve our community. And he said, yes, but that the city planned to demolish it so that it could only be developed for retail. And they were only gonna lease it out to us for one year. After that, it's all coming down. So unfortunately, that wasn't gonna work for our church. So we had to decline. Then a month passes and he calls back and says, hey, because of COVID, the city is pushing back their redevelopment plans. 
So the landlord is willing to extend this lease a few more years, which was great. But now it's a matter of price and terms. And if you can believe it, there were seven months of negotiations. And there were times when we thought it wasn't going to happen and moments when it seemed like God had other plans. So now it's January and 21 days of prayer and fasting are coming. And I told the church, hey, when we fast, let's fast with a target in mind. Let's write it down so we can point to it later and see what God did. Well, my fast this year was exactly that. We had been around and connected to this property for over two years. And so God, if you want to do something, do it now. Open the door now or close the door now. Whatever you decide, we're good with, we're happy. And that fast was from January 4th to January 24th. We are signing the contract today, which is one day after 21 days of prayer We've been praying and fasting for 21 days. Are you recording this for like the archives? Okay. We have been praying and fasting for 21 days. This has been my prayer and fasting for 21 days. I went to the building. I did the Jericho drop. And 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 look at God. There was no way we could have organized that. But on January 25th, one day after our fast ended, we signed a contract and now have a place to call Journey Church home. pieces started coming together. I was reminded how in 2019, God gave us the vision, don't hold back, where we said by the end of 2021, God would do two things according to Isaiah 54.2. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, don't hold back, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. We believed God was asking us to lengthen our reach by launching a second campus and strengthening our stake in this city by moving into a permanent location. And here we are at the beginning of 2021, and God has already done both of those through this facility and Journey Church online. Then I remembered Vision Sunday, where as a church, we leaned into the word of the year, renovate. We spoke that word as a reflection of what we felt God was doing in 2020 in our lives, tearing down the old and making us new. But now, how fitting, because that's exactly what we're going to have to do in this property over the following months. And when our lease is fulfilled, I believe this church is going to have such an impact on the families in this area, the economy in this area, the homeless population, and the schools in the surrounding area that the city itself is going to ask us to stay. Because we're not just going to be renovating a building, we're going to be renovating a community. So thank you, Journey Church and friends of Journey Church. We wouldn't be here without your prayers and your support. If you're interested in partnering with us, and helping to make this dream come true, there's three ways you can do that. I wanna let you know, we have already raised $220,000 for the renovation required for this massive building. But the renovation budget itself is actually 300,000. And we believe, we're believing, there's a giver on the other side of this that's gonna help us close the gap of $80,000 and meet the goal. If you're interested in giving, visit journeyall.com forward slash give or you can text journey to 77977. Number two, we're calling on all carpenters, painters, handymen, electricians, tradesmen, anybody who can build, knock down a wall, or throw out trash. If you're interested in helping, you can visit journeyoral.com forward slash bill to give whatever time you can and help us save some time and money. We'd be incredibly grateful. And if we learn anything, the third thing you can do to help us out is pray because prayer works. Help us pray for permits, for favor with the city, and for favor with our surrounding neighbors. Journey Church, we love you. Friends, we love you. And we cannot wait to see how God uses all of us together to bring a move of God to the city of Orlando and beyond. Come on, let's give God some praise. Come on, won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Yes, he will. 
He's a miracle working God. And I want you to know really quickly, this is not about a place. We're not getting hyped because of a place. We're getting hyped because of a space, a space where God will restore families, a space where God will heal broken hearts, a space where God will bring revival to a city that is desperate need, a space that's going to help the economy rebound, a space that's going to help healing, a space where signs, wonders, miracles are going to happen, a space like the space today, before we even talk about the building, I want to talk to those of you who are in the room who are, say that they're in a bad place. A bad place and God wants to bring you to a good space, a good place today. I want you to know that right now, God has aligned everything in this moment to produce the fruit of eternal life in your heart. You feel alone, you feel desperate, you feel far, but today there's an opportunity Everything is coming together. You've been waiting. You've been far from God, but Jesus wants to bring it around right here. This is why we got the building, by the way, so that we can see people make these decisions. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this room today and you would say, you know what, Pastor Judge, I'm one of those people who are far from God, but I realized I was just going through some places. I was just going through some places, and even though I'm in a bad space, I feel like this is a good place right here, a good place to grow, a good place to come back to Jesus, a good place to start my life over, a good place to begin anew. If that's you, when I say three, I want every hand of the person who wants to give their life back to Jesus to be raised up. I want to come back to you, Lord. I'm ready to step into this good place. I feel like there's something in me that's hidden that God wants to bring out. That's you. When I say three, shoot your right hand to the sky. Jesus, I need you. One, two, all over this building. One, two, three. Right now, go ahead and shoot that hand high. Come on, I see it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Put your hands down. Worship team, pray with me. Journey Church, pray with me. If you raise your hand, pray with me. Jesus, I'm ready to do what you want me to do. I give you my life. It all happened for this moment right here. I'm breaking through the soil. I give you my life. Forgive me of my past. I start new today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, make some noise for the 12 people. Yeah. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. I want you to know it's more than a building. It's a testimony that God will take you through some dark places to bring you right here. If you raised your hand, you went through some dark places, but it was to get right here. And now that you're here with Jesus in a community, we're not going to let you go. We're going to hold you. We're going to walk with you. We're going to grow with you. Amen. Love it to see people make a decision for God. Can I give you, can I give you some more testimony real quick? It'll blow your mind. That video, we recorded it Thursday at 3 p.m. I had two meetings at 4 p.m. and 5 p.m. after that. We were $80,000 away from our goal, which was $300,000 to get the building built. And so I had two meetings. I recorded it at three. I said $80,000. At the end of those two meetings, we raised $70,000 at 4 p.m. and at 5 p.m. Hey, now if I was a good preacher, I wouldn't have told you that. I'd have been like, we need the money. Let's go. But I'm not trying to raise money, I'm trying to raise faith. And I just want to let you know that if God did it for us, he will do it for you. That if he's given you a dream and you wait in the soil and you go through the planted place and you make a holy line around your mind, he will produce what he said he'd produce. He will do what he said he would do. It's a story of faith, of believing in God's promises. No matter how dark it gets, through a pandemic, through social unrest, Jesus' promises will always be fulfilled. No one can stop God's plans over your life. You hear me? Nobody. 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 So y'all, construction starts tomorrow. <laughs> starts tomorrow. Starts tomorrow. And we need your help. If, if you can do electric, electrical work, I want to give a quick shout out to all the professionals who are already donating. The broker who's been negotiating the deal for us, his name is Rafi Gonzalez. He could have made a lot of money off of this deal. Do you know that he donated his 100% commission? A year ago, he told me he would do that. So we're going to find you a place. I'm going to donate my whole commission. I said, why would you do that? He said, because my daughter and my grandchild gave their lives to Christ at your church and got baptized. He said, so, so if Journey Church could do that for, my, for me, I'm going to do that for Journey Church. He's a member of the church now, too. We got people like Mike Ayala, people like Chris Blackwell, people like Julian Carnacion, Joshua Walker, my boy Steven, who are donating. They're, one of them owns a sprinkler company. Another one works with uh, permitting and architecture and construction, and they own a construction company. They're donating the labor. And so if you can do anything, <laughs> you can do anything, paint, broad trash, whatever, visit journeyoral.com forward slash build 
We would love to connect with you. If you have any connections, if you know any people in the permitting office in Seminole County, talk to your boy. We need permitting, all of that. If you want to meet my dad, he's going to be spearheading the construction project. He's going to be at the blue tent in the back. He kind of looks like me, just a little more handsome. Shout out, Pops. And uh, yeah, but he's getting balding, but he's still beautiful. Uh, love you, Dad. He'll be in the back. His name's Freddie. Connect with him, and he'll get you connected to the project. We're going to start construction tomorrow. And then I don't know for sure, but I think in seven days, or next Monday, not this Monday, but next Monday, what about if we had a prayer service? We just opened the doors, and we just went in there, and, and we just began to anoint it. Hey, there might be some construction. You might have to come with some hard hats. I don't know how it's going to work. But I say we go into the kids' section, and we lay hands on the kids' section in the area. We just say, you know what? In Jesus' name, young people are going to find Jesus in this room right here. There's going to be restoration. We'll go to the altar, and we'll say, yeah, at this altar, people are going to come back to Jesus. Marriages are going to be restored right here, right here in the lobby, where people are going to come back to Christ. We're just going to anoint that place. We'll give you some markers. You can write on the walls the promises that God's given you. That building's going to be a testimony. Nothing can stop God's promises over your life. I hope you know this is not something I did. This is something we did as a community. I hope you take it as much pride as it is and I do, as much faith in God as it that I do. I love you so much. Thank you for all that you've done to make this possible. Amen. No matter what place you're in, I think God deserves praise. Amen. Come on, let me pray for you. We'll praise and Pastor Jenny will come up and then we'll dismiss. Father, we love you and we thank you. Father, we thank you because all you asked us to do was to get in the soil. You took it from there. There's fruit you promised over our life. Promises you made for us, God. We're going to hold fast to them. Dreams, books, albums, businesses, Lord God. And we just trust you no matter what it looks like on the surface. You're going to do it inside of us, Lord. Thank you for the miracle that is this property. And I pray that it would stand as a signal and a symbol to every fearful believer, to every doubting Christian, to everybody who is wondering if God is real. God is real. Only God can do this, and only God will do this. Father, we love you, and we thank you. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.